Hello, folks. This is your host, Tammy Tucky, and you are now listening to the Tierra Talk Show. We bring you rare interviews with the makers of Disney Magic. Whether they be singers, actors, Imagineers, animators, they have all made their mark on the Disney name. Be sure to check out the show notes, other episodes, contests, our social media pages from Facebook to Twitter, and more on our official website at www.thetierratalkshow.com. All guest opinions are theirs and theirs alone and do not represent the opinions of the Tierra Talk Show or the host. The Tierra Talk Show is not associated with the Disney Company. Thank you for tuning into this week's episode. And from all of us here at the Tierra Talk Show, have a hoop-de-doo day. I'm excited to welcome this week's Tierra Talk Show guest, author Jennifer Donnelly, to the show. Welcome, Jennifer. Thank you so much for having me, Tammy. I'm excited to be here. We haven't had an author on the show in a long time, so it's it's really a pleasure to speak with you today because a lot of people know that you have a Beauty and the Beast connection, but I thought it would be interesting uh, to know like how you kind of began telling stories. Well, I was really fortunate to be raised in a family of storytellers. Um, my dad um, was Irish-American, and all his relatives had the gift of gab and at family gatherings they would tell stories and um i learned sort of watching them how to hold a listener and how to build suspense into a story and how to make people laugh and gasp i learned to listen to the words but also the spaces and silences between the words and and to understand what those silences and spaces meant Um, my mom is also a wonderful storyteller Uh, she's german and she was a young child in germany during world war ii so um she would tell me stories about her life when i was going to bed at night these were my bedtime stories instead of mother goose and you know snow white and cinderella i had sort of stories of 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 lifetime during the war in germany And, and my mom might tell me what it felt like to to run from her home to the air raid shelter at night with sirens going off and to come out you know, a few hours later to find that her house and everything in it had been burned to the ground. Um, and and some people might say that these stories were sort of harrowing or too much for a child, but I didn't feel that way. You know, I, I wasn't scared and I wasn't terrified. I was fascinated. And I would sit up in my bed and I would say to my mom, you know, what? how did that make you feel, mom? And what did you do next? And I think uh, what was happening is that these stories were making um, both a storyteller and a historian out of me all at the same time. I think it's where I got my young love as a child for stories and for history. And pretty quickly, as soon as I could read and write, progressed to wanting to tell some stories of my own. And all through my school career, you know, wrote really bad stories and poems <laughs> that my mom would send to the local newspaper, um, wrote from my high school newspaper and, and literary magazine and yearbook. And um, let's see, I'm trying to think my early jobs were as a newspaper reporter and a copywriter. So so that love of words and language was always in me and it always has been in me. And it definitely shows through Beauty and the Beast Lost in a Book, which is a new book that has been released to coincide with the new Beauty and the Beast film. But it's its own story. And I and I got my I have my own copy, of course. And uh, towards the end, I will talk a little bit more about how our listeners can also get a special copy. Um, but you know, with this story, first off, did you get the chance to have a first look at the film in in any sort of way just to see if there were any ideas that you could take away from the film that could not be built upon? Because there there just isn't enough time in a film all the time. (laughs) But was there anything that you thought, you know what, I really make a connection with this specific idea, and I'd like to elaborate on it? Yes, when when Disney approached me, they wanted an original tale. They said, don't don't do a novelization, you know, of the of the story. 
give us something new and original and different. Keep it within the timeline of the movie, but what else could have happened? What other adventures did Belle have while she was in that enchanted castle? And that was just music to my ears because I love fairy tales and always have, and the grimmer, the better. You know, I'm one of these people who wanted to be in the Enchanted Castle and wanted to take a bite out of the gingerbread house. So I was just so excited when I heard about this um, opportunity and I got the script early and uh, loved it. It's, it's just so it's just delightful. It's just so sweet and cheeky and, and touching. And I was I, through that script, really got a connection with the characters pretty quickly and thought, OK, Belle, you know, she loves books. I love books. The Beast gave her this amazing gift of a library. And, and what book nerd, you know, wouldn't be thrilled with that kind of a gift. So I knew I wanted to set my story um, within that library. And then the idea of an enchanted book came. And there is actually an enchanted book in the movie, too. So we sort of had this parallel thing going on. But um, that's like a happy enchanted book. And, and mine is a little bit darker. And it's put there by someone who doesn't really wish Belle and the Beast, you know, good in their lives. Well, I would love to have the chance to delve into an enchanted book. Belle literally does step right into the story in, in my story, Lost in a Book. But I'm not sure I would travel to another world through Nevermore because Nevermore, as Belle soon discovers, is not what it seems. In the movie, there's a lovely enchanted atlas, and I would use that to travel. And I would probably, because I am such a terrible history geek, I would go back in time. I'd go back oh, everywhere. You know, I'd go back to the French Revolution. I'd go back to the court of the Tudors. I'd, I'd just travel in and out of years constantly. I, I, that's like my idea of a dream come true. Our story, my story, Lost in a Book, starts out, I wanted it to have this sort of very heavy, dark, archetypal, grim fairy tale feeling. So Lost in a Book starts out with two sisters, um, Death and Love, and they're playing a game. They're wagering. They're constantly, they're rivals, and they're constantly in competition. They're constantly battling. They're playing this chess game, and they wager on how it's going to go for Belle and the Beast. You know, is the Beast going to learn how to care for others and learn how to truly love unselfishly? Is Belle going to break the curse in time? And they bet on the outcome of this. And these two, they battle very hard, these two sisters. They sort their story bookends, my story lost in a book, but we also hear from them as the story progresses. They pop in and out. And we don't know until we're getting very close to the end which one is going to triumph. Have you had a lot of fans come up to you and 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 ask, you know, does this mean this or that mean that? Do you do you tell them exactly what it means or do you say, you know, it it totally is up to you because it is you you are kind of like Belle, you are reading a book uh, and it's your interpretation. Yes, and hopefully getting lost in that story just like um Belle is. That was one of the things that really attracted me to to this story and this this project with Disney is that I got to work with these really beloved iconic characters of Belle and Beast and Lumiere and Cogsworth but I also got to bring some new characters invent some new characters invent a new story and sort of put my own my own stamp on this classic fairy tale and and I agree with you completely Tammy once you sort of write your story it's, it's yours while you're working on it and then you put it out in the world and it becomes everybody else's that's the beautiful relationship between writer and reader is is making it this common thing where they see things, you know, that maybe you didn't see in the story. They bring things to it that you didn't even imagine. And it becomes, I don't know, kind of this collaborative effect. And it, it's not yours anymore. It's theirs. It's, it's a really lovely feeling.
And of course, the movie has come out now, so we kind of know how that the film ends. But would you be interested in, in exploring what Belle is up to, you know, after the film? Because I know Emma Watson was asked, and she said she would love for the entire library to be used by the children of the town so they could learn to read. And I'd really like to hear what you think Belle would be doing or what adventure you'd like her to go on next. Belle is just so strong, so spirited, so independent that I can imagine, you know, millions of adventures for her. And I agree 100% with Emma Watson. I, um, I can imagine, you know, further adventures with the servants who get transformed. Oh, I shouldn't give too much away, but we know the servants get transformed back into living, breathing people. I'd love to follow their stories. I actually really, really fell in love with Lumiere and Cogsworth um, as I was reading the script and as I was writing Lost in a Book. And I really got to understand both of those characters. So I see sort of endless possibilities and I'd love to follow the adventures of, of Belle and Beast and all their friends. Uh, there are a lot of online fans who really enjoy seeing some Disney characters together from other different worlds. Do you ever think that that would be like an interesting task if Disney asked you to go ahead and have Belle enter into one of the other Disney universes, as they say, like Ariel's Underwater Sea or Jasmine and Agrabah? Would you love to see, you know, Belle team up with some of the other Disney girls, the Disney heroines, and, and go on new adventures? That's a very interesting idea. I think you've got to propose that one to Disney and see what they think. <laughs> <laughs> I think they're just so they're all so powerful and strong and I feel like we have this new renaissance of of showing that women we can we can be so much more than just the damsel in distress in a story and I I would love to see something like that because I love what you did with Belle in this oh, book thank you. so <laughs> thank you. yeah I love um that's one of the things I love about that classic fairy tale you know on the surface it's this sort of captive captor thing and, and almost, you know, a little it, sort of it gets tricky because it's almost Stockholm syndrome. But that's the thing about fairy tales. They go so much deeper than the surface. And mm -hmm. what I love about this really, really old fairy tale, it's therapy, you know, as most of the classic fairy tales are. And it's therapy way before Freud invented it. Beauty and the Beast, like many of the other classic fairy tales, they kind of give voice to our deepest fears and they help us resolve them. They tell us monsters exist, but they tell us how to beat those monsters. That's what I love. I think, you know, what's at the heart of this story is, is this young girl who's transferring her affections from her father to another man, which is, you know, sort of a is, is symbolic of marriage. And in 18th century France, when this story was originally written down in the 1740s by a woman, that could be a very scary proposition. Um, marriages were usually arranged and girls often got married at the age of 13 and 14 to much older men. So I, I think of Belle and I think of the story and I imagine, you know, a 13 or 14 year old girl leaving home to start life with this almost stranger in, in his manor or farm or castle and everything's different and everything's strange and maybe she's homesick or scared and and if you didn't want to marry this man that your parents picked out for you too bad you know your father was the boss when you were a girl and your husband was the boss when you were married and so i think of that strange new husband maybe he liked things done his way and he made that clear and maybe he had a shaggy beard and a deep voice and he stomped around the house yelling at his dogs or his servants or his wife and you see where the subconscious is at work in this fairy tale because such a creature could well seem like a loud hairy beast to a young girl. So that's, I think, how the story came about. You know, how did mothers and grandmothers prepare that girl for married life and how did they help her face her fears? By telling her a story, you know, where this noisy, hairy, scary beast is really on the inside, a gentle prince who's going to be transformed by the power of love.
So I love that sort of historical context of the tale. Um, but it, it fascinates me how the story still resonates and affects, you know, listeners and readers and viewers so deeply in our own time. And I thought a lot about that. And I think it's because of the very sly, very clever way that the story flip-flops a typical fairy tale ending. Because in Beauty and the Beast, it's Belle who saves Beast. Um, he's the guy who needs rescuing and she's the one who comes to his aid. And she, you know, she breaks the curse and she does it not by changing herself to please him or accommodating his bad behavior, but by really being her brave and independent and compassionate self. And what I love so much is that at the end of the story, it's, you know, this powerless girl, it turns out, is actually quite powerful. And I think that's why this story still speaks to us so deeply in our own time. The, the version we really know commonly was written in 1740 by a French woman. Uh, her name was Gabrielle Suzanne Barbeau de Villeneuve. Um, you'll recognize her last name as the name of Belle's Village. And that's, you know, almost 300 years later, after 1740, people still love this tale. They love listening to it. They love reading it. They love the movie. They love, you know, the music that is, of course, modern. And um, I was just fascinated, you know, that as I was writing Lost in a Book, I wanted to know why. Why does it still matter so much to us? And I think, you know, it's also because it does deliver a timeless message that kindness and compassion do win out in the end and, and that love can really save us. Not only that, but I love how the film and also the book kind of uh, explore more the relationships of the of the servants in the castle because, you know, they also have their own stories to tell. And I, I love that aspect. And it kind of brings me to my next question. You know, if you could choose any other Disney sidekick, whether it be a villain or not a villain, and, and they're not from the Beauty and the Beast world, and you would like mm -hmm. to elaborate on their story in a new book, who would you like to, who do, whose story would you like to explore? Well, I love villains. I have to say, I adore villains. So I, you know, Maleficent is, is a villain I'd love to, to check out. The witch in um, Snow White, uh, the, the witch in Hansel and Gretel, not that she's a, a Disney uh, personality, but I'm always fascinated with villains and why they became villainous. You know, what turned them down this path? And is there the possibility of redemption for them? So, well, I can't thank you enough for being on the show. And I want to let our listeners know that we will be having a contest so you can win a copy of Jennifer's book, Beauty and the Beast, Lost in a Book. So I'm so happy for your success, Jennifer. I really do oh. hope that we have some sequels coming out or, or some other possibilities of, of, of book ideas. <laughs> Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. That is, you know, the most gratifying part of being a writer is when kids love your work and they take messages from it and they're excited about it. It is just, it's the best. It's the best compliment a writer could ever get. It really is. And again, our listeners can go to www.thetierratalkshow.com. Under the contests tab, we will have the contest listed there. And there's uh, three different things that you'll need to do. Just go ahead and check out that page. And before we end, I have three Disney-themed questions I ask each of our guests on the show. And we call them the Fab Three. So we'll start with the Donald question, which is, as a child, what Disney film was one of your favorites to see in the movie theater? That would have to be Snow White. I, I both loved it, um, and I was so scared by the witch, just terrified. And I love that sort of delicious, oh, I'm so scared, but I really love this, and I don't want to keep <laughs> watching, but I'm going to keep watching. So 
Yeah, I would say Snow White. And our goofy question. Besides the characters in Beauty and the Beast, what Disney character do you think would be your best friend if you met them in person? Oh, because of because of my, you know, villain obsession, I'd like to hang out with Maleficent at least for a day or two. And our Mickey question. If I asked you to name any Disney song at this very moment, what immediately comes to mind? I think, I hope I have the title right, but I think it's called Home from Beauty and the Beast. It's just such a lovely, gorgeous song. The melody is so pretty. Um, And I feel like, um, you know, Alan Menken, one of the writers, and Howard Ashman, the lyricist, for all the music, um, I think that they bring such an understanding of the story and the characters to listeners and to viewers through their gorgeous songs. So I love Home, but I love pretty much every single song in Beauty and the Beast. I think they're, they're wonderful. They're works of art. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Jennifer. And I, I really do hope we have you back on soon, maybe for uh, for a sequel or for another book. I'm just very excited for you. <laughs> I'd love to. It was my pleasure, Tammy. Thank you so much. When she opens the door, give her a dashing debonair smile. Come, come, show me the smile. Oh, my dear. Oh, no.